strong bipartisan I vote yield back the balance of the, my time and wish everyone a happy, healthy, and safe New Year. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Schwanza. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever it is you celebrate, be safe. <laughs>
Inbal Goldberger, vice president of trust and safety at ActiveFence, a company that detects malicious online content, published an op-ed on the global organization's website offering a solution to online abuse. Such solutions would enable a blend of AI and so-called subject matter experts to detect nuanced, novel online abuses at scale before they reach mainstream platforms. Goldberger argues the online, that online access has placed, placed a, played a vital role in public perception of events like recessions, viruses, and wars. Okay, do you get it, people? I think you do. Now, first off, on the child abuse part of this, of course, if someone is spreading uh, videos or pictures related to child abuse or something of that nature, you've got a problem with the government and that obviously should be taken down by the big tech companies and the government should do whatever it has to do to, to take care of those people, right? To the fullest extent of the law. Uh, when it comes to misinformation and disinformation and hate speech, this is where it gets dangerous. And this is really, to put this whole thing together, this is really where the United States in many ways stands alone because of our First Amendment, right? We cannot have another organization that is above the laws of the United States. If the United States is here, we can't have anything above that. You'd have God above that, but you can't have anything else above that, right? And what they are trying to do is they are trying to create the World Economic Forum partnership so that they will be able to look at hate speech and misinformation. But guess what? From an American perspective, hate speech and misinformation and disinformation are your God-given right. It's right there in the Constitution, Bill of Rights. It's the first one. It's all there. So they are act actively trying to infringe on your free speech. Also, I know it goes without saying, but <laughs> here we are. Uh, disinformation and misinformation is mostly what the machine has promoted. It is mostly what you've gotten out of CNN and the Washington Post and New York Times and all of these people. So, as I always say, they might just want to find a mirror as opposed to censoring the rest of us. But speaking of censorship, political correctness, and global climate activism, which is, by the way, what this is all about, because that's where the next lockdowns are going to be coming, because I think uh, people have had it with COVID lockdowns, although a certain amount of people like them. The next one will be, we've got to lock you down because of there's too much CO2 in the air. Uh, something interesting happened over the Christmas break, and I just wanted to address it uh, quickly because Andrew Tate, and you know Andrew Tate, kickboxing champion who's become sort of a, I don't want to quite say a men's rights activist, but he's become a, a real voice for young men to get their stuff together. Let's put it that way. Uh, Andrew Tate got into a little Twitter squabble with Greta Thunberg. Now, you all know Greta Thunberg. She is uh, the young lady who believes that the earth is going to end any minute now and has become a hero of the machine and the World Economic Forum and all of those things. Uh, uh, they got into a little bit of a Twitter spat. So here is the tweet uh, that started this thing by Andrew Tate. He wrote, hello, Greta Thunberg. I have 33 cars. My Bugatti has a quad turbo. My two Ferrari 812 Competizione. Is that a word? Have, uh, that's an Italian word, I think. Have uh, V12s. This is just the start. Please provide your email address so I can send a complete list of my car collection 
and their respective enormous emissions. Now, he's obviously playing a bit of a troll here. He's throwing this at her like, hey, I'm a dude producing something in the world. I've got a lot of stuff. And he's bragging about it. And he doesn't want her uh, taking his cars. Uh, Greta then responded and said, yes, please do enlighten me. Email me at smalldickenergy at getalife.com. And that got over a million likes because people are what they are. Anyway, why am I telling you about this? A little spat between a a kickboxer and this little climate activist? Well, then, uh, two days later, bizarrely, uh, Andrew Tate was arrested in Romania. We've got a little video here. All right, and for a little context on that, we've got more from the Daily Wire. American British media personality and former kickboxer Andrew Tate and his brother were detained in Romania in a human trafficking investigation Thursday, along with a former policewoman, according to reports. Romanian authorities allegedly detained Tate and his brother at their luxury villa after armed police raided his residence, searching for evidence related to the case in which the brothers are accused of abducting two women. Authorities reportedly detained the two brothers for 24 hours. Tate's reported apprehension comes a day after he filmed a video criticizing climate activist Greta Thunberg, which included a pizza box from a national chain in Romania. Tate faced allegations of human trafficking in Romania in April 2022. However, Tate reportedly said the accusations stemmed from a swatting incident where authorities accused him and his brother of obtaining large sums of money with which they bought houses, luxury cars, and cryptocurrencies, according to reports. Okay, so I'm just piecing something together here that I don't know exactly what's going on here, but it does strike me as a little odd that this guy who has become an internet sensation gets into a fight with the protected child of the climate movement, and then literally two days later, he is arrested in Romania. Uh, Greta Thunberg was gloating about it on the Twitter. She said, this is what happens when you don't recycle your pizza boxes. Now, there was this rumor that he was arrested purely because Uh, He had sort of doxxed himself because the pizza chain is in Romania. That rumor flew like wildfire. I mean, it spread crazy all over the internet. Turned out not to be true, of course, and many, many mainstream people from NBC and elsewhere were tweeting it. Uh, But we thought it would be funny to throw back to a little something about Greta. There is a way to deal with Greta. You don't have to show off all your cars to deal with Greta. You know the best way to deal with Greta is? You just ignore her. Cue Donald Trump. How dare you? Anyway, speaking of climate activism, globalism, and censorship, uh, let's shift this to Bill Gates. Now, you all know Bill Gates. Bill Gates created Microsoft. Bill Gates created Windows, which if you're of a certain age, you remember all the pop-ups, all the viruses. You remember my main memory of Windows, Windows 95, is the paint program. You probably had the paint program, right? And you could fill a whole thing with the color, and then you could put other color. It was incredible. Anyway, he becomes a billionaire. Now he owns more farmland in the United States than anyone else. Uh, He somehow also thinks he's a COVID expert, and uh, he has been advocating 
for more ESG programs. Now, ESG, I'm going to tell you a bit more about it uh, in just a moment. We've talked about it before. Glenn Beck wrote a spectacular book about it. It's called Environmental, Social, and Government uh, Programs, in effect. Uh, but here's Bill Gates advocating for more ESG collaborations. We need to innovate to make the cost of doing it the green way uh, far less than it is today to get emissions all the way to zero. Not just the rich countries, but the entire world. It's not so much who you don't invest in, it's who you do invest in. Driving innovation with some incentives like the tax credits that the U.S. has now, that's the right policy mix. We did get three bills that went through Congress. Two were bipartisan. One was a reconciliation bill, all of which increased the funding for climate in total about 500 billion extra dollars. So the combination of these new bills plus private efforts like Breakthrough Energy Catalyst mean you're going you're gonna to get to a, go to a lot of plant openings where people say, okay, this is green steel, this is green cement, this is green hydrogen. And a lot of those will be placed in places where the hydrocarbon jobs are going away so people will get a sense that this is a, a just transition. All right, so let me be clear about one thing, which is that I, I really think that Bill Gates is an evil person. I, I think that the power and the money has gone to his head where he thinks it is, it is his divine right to reorganize or rejigger the world in a way that he wishes it to be. The idea, not only, first off, that you would say to any country, but you take, okay, let's take the rich countries first because he addressed rich countries, that you'd say, you have to do this to your economy. You have to make it more green because we wish you to. Well, every nation should decide that for themselves. That's the problem with globalization, right? That's number one. But putting aside the rich countries, the poor countries right now that are going through their industrial revolutions, if you take a country, you could take India or China that are years behind us in their industrial revolutions that are using coal and these other things. What right do we have or the globalists have to say, no, you cannot do that. And by the way, fossil fuels are still to this very moment getting more people out of poverty and doing more good for the world than they are bad. We've done many shows on this. Jordan Peterson has talked about a lot, Bjorn Lomberg. Uh, this, this is something that is real, whether they like it or not. So here's a bit more on what ESG actually is. This is from Investopedia. Environmental, social, and governance investing refers to a set of standards for a company's behavior used by socially conscious investors to screen potential investments. Environmental criteria consider how a company safeguards the environment, inclu including corporate policies like addressing climate change, for example. Social criteria examine how it manages relationships with employees, suppliers, customers, and the communities where it operates. Governance deals with a company's leadership, executive pay, audits, internal controls, and shareholder rights. Do you guys see how scary this is? A giant globalist organization wants all of our corporations in rich countries and poor countries and countries in the middle to have to sit, to have to use a certain set of standards when it comes to hiring, which of course will be related to diversity of skin color and sexuality, have nothing to do with actual talents or intellectual diversity. They will want these companies to do what they want them to do related to the environment, what they want them to do related to any program that they want to get across. And then you can basically install the World Economic Forum can basically install CEOs in all of these companies to do whatever they want, which often will be completely contrary to what 
the company's mission is. A shoe company is supposed to make shoes. They're not supposed to be worried that a giant globalist organization wants them to hire a certain amount of black disabled lesbians, as lofty as that goal might be, right? To make shoes, okay? This is the problem with pretty much everything right now. And the reason that I'm doing all of this today, and then we're gonna get to the Q&A in just a second, is that I really think that this is the new thing that we're fighting. Uh, maybe we've been fighting it all along. I, I suppose that we probably have, and this is all connected to COVID and, and these giant organizations that, this, that tried to destroy the known world uh, that most of us probably took for granted. Uh, but it's time to stop taking it for granted and fight while we still can, because this is, this is our one life, people. I don't wanna be under the boot of Bill Gates or any of these people. I don't like them very much. And now to the rubenreport.locals.com community Q&A. Uh, Hope says, during my husband's childhood, his elementary school buried a time capsule 48 years ago. It'll be opened in two years. What would you put in a time capsule to show your sons? Oh, I like this question. Um, you know, I was thinking about it before. I, I do a quick scan of the questions uh, before we do this. Um, you know, it would be kind of funny to put an original Game Boy in there. The original black and white Game Boy, which I think came out in probably, give me a year, I'm gonna guess it's around 1988, 87, something like that. I remember getting that Game Boy the week it came out and it was black and white. It was kind of big and bulky. You had to put four AA batteries in there. It came with a, a Mario game. And of course, oh no, it came with Tetris. Uh, but then there, of course, was also a, a Super Mario game. It came out in 89, okay. Uh, so a couple years after 8-bit NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. But I think that would be a great thing to put in a, in a time capsule because for, for me of a, of a Gen X generation, you know, a child of the 80s, that was the first like handheld thing. We had like little, little very LED, or what was it, LED or the, the black and the purely black and white ones where you could press like up or down kind of things. But Game Boy was the first one that you could sort of move on the go with video games and compare that to having the world in our pocket right now, like what what an absolute time warp that would be to show to uh, to show to my kids in in forty eight years or so. Uh, Quinn says, if you could label each quarter of twenty twenty three ahead of time, what words, themes, or hopes might you think of? I think it's going to be something like this. I think this first quarter is going to be a lot more exposure of the nonsense. Right, we're in the midst of the exposure of the nonsense. That and that's really sort of how we were ending. 2022, that the Twitter files are coming out. We're finding out more about what they did related to COVID and the Hunter Biden laptop and all of those things. But then what happens is you get a certain amount of that and then you get a certain amount of pushback. So I think it's going to be sort of a cyclical. This strikes me as a year of a lot of forward movement and a lot of backwards movement, which maybe when you add them up, you just kind of don't move at all. That I think the first quarter of this will be a continuation of the exposure of the nonsense. And Elon has already uh, hinted now that the Fauci files are about to drop too as I keep saying related to all of this, the real question is, okay, if you see the, the Fauci files and it, and it emboldens or it strengthens your worldview related to all of this and the nonsense that these pushed, that these people pushed, that's great. But is it affecting anyone on the other side of this? Is it affecting the NPCs? Is it waking up anyone else? Is it, is it changing the minds of anyone that only watches mainstream media? I don't know. And, and that divergence between the people who will see reality how, how it is and the people who will see the reality that they paint for them, 
I don't know how you mitigate those two things. I think that's going to be a big thing. But anyway, to answer your question, so I think it's going to be a quarterly sort of exposure, second quarter pushback on exposure, third, third quarter more exposure, fourth quarter pushback on that. And as I said, maybe that just kind of leaves us exactly where we are right now, which maybe isn't that bad, right? As opposed to being dragged uh, the other direction. Uh, Delaney says, I just finished your book. I have to admit that I enjoyed the last half more because you talk so much about your life and how you achieve so much. I feel very inspired to take a risk with starting a career that means something to me. I would love to read a book that is more of an autobiography. I would love to hear about your parents and grandparents and how you grew up with your family. When is the next book coming? So I have a couple ideas for the next book and just in the last, because we had a week off and although we had a lot of family here and it was the holidays and everything, I started sketching out the, the beginnings of what I think will be my my third book. Um, and when I wrote the first two books, we actually, especially in Don't Burn This Book, which was the first book, obviously, I had way more related to my family. It started becoming more of an autobiography. And when I was talking to my editor about it, her feeling, and she's really great, Helen, if you're watching, I love you. Uh, she, not Helen, my former assistant, I had a different Helen uh, at the time. Uh, she kept saying that, you know, really for your first book, you want to you go idea heavy so that more and more people can find out about your ideas. And then eventually you'd go more autobiography heavy. Um, so we did a little bit more in Don't Burn This Country related to my family. And I talk a bit about uh, my grandparents and my parents and sort of, you know, my family really is, I think the perfect example of the American dream. It was my great, great grandparents on one side and grandpa uh, great grandparents on my dad's side who came to this country, everybody had nothing, came from Eastern Europe. I mean, it's literally the, the story with the suitcase and nothing else. My grandfather, who was one of six uh, brothers and sisters whose father died when he was two months old and they lived in a one bedroom room uh, on the Lower East Side. And then when his father died, when he was two months, uh, he, they had to move in with his aunt and uncle. And then it was literally like 15 people in a two bedroom apartment you know, lower, you know, lower, lower class, uh, but fighting for the American dream. And then my grandfather got his first job, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, paid him a, a quarter, an hour or something like that. And, uh, and he was a lithographer. And then he got eventually married my grandmother, who was the first woman on her side to go to college. And she became a teacher. Then my parents became middle-class. Obviously we're doing pretty well. And it's like, that is the American dream that the generations behind you will do better than you did. And that's what we're at the risk of giving away because of these ridiculous economic policies and just the general buffoonery of the people involved in the decision-making these days. So yes, I, I should explore a little bit uh, more of that and I, I will keep that in mind. And, and uh, on a personal note, go do it, take some risks. Why not? Like, just do it, just do it and see what happens. That was always my premise my entire life when I was doing stand-up and everything I was doing, I was like, if you gave everything you have to something, could the nature of reality be that you will just be screwed in the process? I don't really think so. I think if you really, really go for something, you might not get exactly that thing, but you'll get something kind of in that constellation. And that probably is good enough. Uh, Spike says, we know you love basketball. How do you feel about golf? And have you tried sporting clays or trap or skeet? Okay, so I, yes, I'm a basketball guy. And I'm playing again, which is great with my three braces on my knees. And a couple of weeks ago, most of the guys that I play with, they're like, it's probably upper 20s, 30s, 40s into 50s. I'm like right in the middle at 46. A couple of weeks ago, one of the guys who's, you know, about my age, he brought 
his sons from his son from college with his friends. So it was the 21 year olds versus the old dudes. And we split the games with them. I hit a game winning jumper. So I'm feeling good on that front. Uh, I'm not much of a golfer, uh, go golf driving every now and again, but David actually is a great golfer and he was a golfer in, uh, in high school. And we have a little putting green in the backyard. So we will get the kids playing golf for sure. And I have not gone skeet shooting yet. You know, we're going shooting down here in Florida. We'll shoot some stuff, uh, but have not done the skeet shooting yet. Although I was pretty good at duck hunt. Back in the day, I was uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, Seuss says, we need to stop allowing the left to own the language. They lost in some ways on Don't Say Gay, but not entirely. It's a good example of their effectiveness when it comes to communication. Republicans are awful in this regard, a critical action item when delivering a message or a vision. How do we corral that effort? That is a great point. One of the things that Democrats do really well because they own the machine, right? So they, they own not only the corporate press, which frames everything from the, the direction that they want it framed, but now we also know that they've had all of this collusion with big tech. So certain things trend the way they want them to, to trend. And then whatever Republicans or conservatives or whatever you want to call it, whatever they want to get out there doesn't fly as much. And then I think the other problem that Republicans have or, or right-leaning people, whatever you want to say it is, is that because there is a little more reality there, reality is a little harder to explain to people rather than just baseless sort of generic statements. So like, don't say gay, just sounds like something. And a certain amount of people just believe, don't say gay, I can't say gay, what am I gonna do? And then, and then that's it, right? That's a lot easier to sell to people than trying to calmly explain to them what individual rights are and what parental rights are and the role of government in education and everything else. So that's why I think we always end up on our back foot. They throw out some crazy bomb, you're racist. And then you have to spend all day explaining why you're not racist. So that's what needs to shift. So I, another example of this just from last week would be that right during Christmas, uh, Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky, he always puts out his festivist list of like the craziest governmental spending. And he puts out this long Twitter thread and it's really fantastic. He did a funny, a funny video that I shared uh, a, couple, a couple weeks ago. It's a lot harder to explain all of this and make people read the stuff and go, boy, the government did spend a lot, a lot on this and wasted on that rather than just the, the nonsense that they throw at us. So, so you know what? I did give a, a speech. What was it? About, a, about three weeks ago now, I went to DC and I spoke to all the new congressional Republicans and I talked to them about messaging. I talked to them about not apologizing. The, my main point was bring receipts like Ted Cruz did on The View. You know, don't just sit back and take it. But when they, when they say, well, you know, Donald Trump and you Republicans are, are election deniers, do what Ted Cruz did, bring out the receipts. Guys, here's Hillary Clinton, here's Stacey Abrams, here's all of the people when it was Bush Gore, et cetera, et cetera. Do that and try to get some of those clips to go viral. That, that really is the key. Uh, Ray says, what did Santa bring you? You know, Santa and, Han and Han Hanukkah, Hanukkah Harry, Hanukkah Harry, they were, uh, they were a little light on me this year. I, I really have everything that I want at a, at, a, at a sort of physical, tangible level. You know, we had such a good year at the kids. So it was more about getting stuff for the kids and, and really at their age, like what do they need? They need diapers and, and milk. That's pretty much it. Uh, I got a couple bottles of nice tequila. That's all. I did. I really didn't want. I truly did not want anything. We went to a couple of great parties, and, and family was here, and that was really good enough for me. Uh, Lloyd says Times Square has the ball drop. Boise has the potato drop. 
How did you celebrate New Year's Eve in Miami since we heard they canceled the neon orange? Ah, that there should be some sort of giant orange ball dropping from uh, Florida somewhere. Uh, we went to a fantastic uh, party up uh, in Miami Beach and a lot, of, a lot of old friends were there, some new friends, some, some friends of the show, and just had an absolutely great night. I did not get home till about 3.30 a.m. because the traffic leaving Miami Beach on New Year's was completely bananas. Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, we just had, we just had a great, it was great to get out too, because obviously in these last couple months, we don't get out that often. You know, I travel a little bit, but, uh, David is, is in the thick of it with the kids. So this was maybe our, since August, it was maybe our third night out, uh, together. So that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Vika says, I'm interested in doing a two week off the grid vacation with my daughters, seven and six years old. And maybe my husband, I'd like some tips. Do you go full on no tech? I go grocery shop, watch movies, listen to music, keep in touch with my family, all on my phone. Should I also cut out those things? Do you, have you changed your strategy through the years? I'd appreciate some suggestions. So first off, the, the fact that you're even considering doing this, I love it. And I know many more people have been doing it when I do this off the uh, grid August situation. And, it, and it's really wonderful. So. Uh, in the, in years past, I literally did it like phone locked in a safe, no Twitter, no email, absolutely nothing. David kind of does it with me, but he did have a phone. It wasn't his regular phone. It was like an old iPhone that was disconnected from everything with no apps on it, just in case there was an emergency so that, you know, his mom could basically get in touch with us, that kind of thing. Uh, this past year was different because uh, Justin was about to be born and we knew we had to be in touch obviously with the surrogate and the doctor and family members who were gonna come visit us and that sort of thing. So we were a little more connected this time. I was, you know, people were texting me, congratulations. I was responding back and forth, but I was not doing email or Twitter or anything else. I would say you gotta figure out something that works for you. Like you could do it like completely cold turkey, meaning no television, like no nothing. That's tough, especially if you have seven and six-year-olds. Six but if you just, at the very least, get rid of social media, tell people, tell your family and friends, hey, give, give us two weeks here. We're don't, just don't, don't call us unless it's an emergency. Don't text us unless it's an emergency. And I would say also, like a simple version of it would be where, wherever you go with them and whatever you try to do, try to just not take your phone. You know, if you're just going out for a couple hours even, it's not that at the end of the day, you can't just look and just make sure everything's okay with life. Um, that's like the extreme version of it. And trust me, it, it really is worth it if you can ever afford yourself the, the time and space to do it. Uh, but just like, you know, if you're going out for a hike, just, just no phone. You're, you're going wherever you're going. You're going to lunch, just no phone. And I think that it, it will really help the reset. And uh, I wish you a lot of luck. Keep me, keep me posted. Uh, Elizabeth says, can we expect another comedy special anytime soon? Don't say Dave was hilarious. Thank you very much. By the way, if you want to watch Don't Say Dave, which was the unedited portion of my talk, which it's mostly, it's kind of stand up and a lot of silly stuff and some stories and blah, blah, blah. It's about 40, 40, 45 minutes or so. It is free for all annual local subscribers. So rubenreport.locals.com and you get it absolutely free or you can buy it one off. I think it's 9.99 if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, I got to get back out on the road really to, to kind of figure, figure that out, which I don't know how much road stuff I'm gonna be doing this year because of the kids. I think we're gonna do one big international trip that we're trying to put together a couple weeks in May where we're gonna uh, bounce around uh, Europe and maybe the Middle East and, and figure out a few things there. 
Um, but I would like to do another special, maybe a little more, maybe, maybe a little more traditionally stand-up special where the way I do it, for those of you that have seen my shows, you know, I, I'm doing a lot of this stuff off the cuff. I'm messing with the crowd. It's, it's really like, it's juggling up there without even knowing how many balls you're juggling, just kind of figuring it out. And that's like the messy fun part for me. I maybe would do something that would be a little bit more scripted, uh, but, but we'll see. We got a lot on the plate at the moment. Uh, Steve says, Dave, what do you think top five issues for 2023 will be for our good old USA first half of the year versus last half or latter half? Well, that's sort of similar to the question earlier. I mean, I really think, I think the main issue is the information war at this point. Like we know that the government is not going to stop big spending. We know that this, whatever's going on with Ukraine is going to be ramped up. We know that when they want to scare you with COVID, they'll scare you with COVID. We know all that stuff and that stuff just ain't stopping, right? Uh, we also know that, you know, people just kind of vote the wrong way. They really do, right? The, the midterms did not go the way that we would have liked, although actually the Republicans are in charge of uh, the House right now, in charge of Congress. So that is good. So there are some good mar markers here. But I think the main thing is just going to be this battle for your mind, like this true information war where some of us will believe what I believe to be closer to the truth and, and understand the messiness of that and understand that what they call misinformation isn't misinformation just because they call it that. And, and figuring out like, how do you, how do you actually uh, live in a society where people will fundamentally believe different things, which will be very different than say 40 years ago when, when a liberal and a conservative of 40 years ago believed different things, they believe that reality basically was the same, right? That, that you had that layer was kind of the same, like the United States is pretty good here. You know, there was a basic understanding of what human freedom is and all of those things. And then the, the real battle was like, oh, but I want the government to do more. Or I want the government to do less. Now, the, now the reality is literally like, do you think chopping off kids' genitals is good? Yes or no. Do you think that there should be governments above the government of the United States? Do you think you should hand over all of your personal responsibility or not? Do you think that the corporate press that has lied about all of these things is gonna stop lying? I don't know how you mitigate those things. I think in your own personal life, you can do it by surrounding yourself with good like-minded people and figuring out ways to build things together. But at the machine level, I, I just don't know what you do about that. But we'll continue to try to figure it out. Uh, Cecito says, happy new year. Any tips for a dry January? My liver needs a break after the holidays. Uh, well, look, you could re well, one thing you want to dry, uh, January, just, just cut off the booze, just do it easy enough. Do it. Um, look, you guys know my feelings. I like tequila. I like going to parties. We like hosting a lot of dinners and all that sort of stuff. Um, but then I always try to take a couple days off here and there. Sometimes I'll take a week off. You know, I'm, I'm rarely accepted some of the parties, although I could get in trouble for saying this. I'm not that wasted that often. New Year, well, our holiday party, I guess that was kind of under the table, but generally speaking, you know what I mean? But I, I do enjoy sipping tequila, uh, but this is a good month. Like January is a good month to just kind of ease up. Like after December and parties and family and all of the food and all of the cakes and all of the stuff, this is a good month. I would say one other thing, which I always try to do, it's gotten a little more difficult with the kids now, is we always used to start our day with a nice long walk with Clyde for a couple miles in the morning and I'd be going through the show while, while I was doing it. Sometimes trying not to take my phone, but is what it is. Um, sometimes we take the kids now, sometimes we can't just because schedules are off or naps or whatever it is. But if I think if you start your day with a walk, 
just a simple walk. You don't have to do crazy cardio. You don't have to be in the gym going dripping with sweat. But starting the day with the walk, like let your body just kind of do its thing. A little bit of water to start the day. I think that helps. And then, and then if you want to have the cocktail once, twice a week, I, I, personally, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Uh, Richard says, do you feel more energized and motivated now compared to any other time in your life? I just retired and I feel more optimistic about being in control of my life as well as the journey forward than ever before. Well, first off, congrats on your retirement. It is, uh, you know, when people work for, you know, 40, 50 years and then ultimately retire, what an, what an incredible moment that is. My dad retired after about 45 years of work, 40 of those years at the same company, uh, going into New York City. I talk about this in, in Don't Burn This Book. Uh, going into New York City, commuting on the Long Island Railroad, basically an hour each way, five days a week for 40 years. I added up the year, the the time on that, and it turned out to be something like two full years of his life just commuting to go to work. And, and now he's retired. And there's always that moment of people retiring. Well, what am I going to do right now? And do I volunteer? Do I devote my life to the grandkids? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, so first off, I, I wish you a lot of luck with that. And, and it's, it's awesome that you, you work hard and now you're feeling good about things going forward. As far as me and ener energizing all that, yeah, I do. I, you know, like even this morning when I was sitting with Phoenix and Connor, I was like, man, we, we all like what we do. And that makes you want to get up and do it and do a better job and, and build better things and all that stuff. And now I have a, a family too, a, a bigger family than I had, let's say a couple months back. And like, I want to keep building good things for them. So I feel very energized. I wake up, I guess that's one thing I've been very blessed with, but, I, but it maybe is just a function of my work too, is that I wake up, I have something to do. Something to do that I want to do. And I guess a lot of people don't do that. They're afraid to, to find whatever that is, or it hasn't worked out, or they've got whatever their stuff is, and they, they just haven't gone in that direction. But I really believe it. Like, go that direction and see what happens. And as I said before, even if you don't fully get to that thing, something else along the way will, uh, will work itself out. That, that will be pretty good. I, I really believe that. Uh, Purdue says, what happened to the people who used to want to work? Oh, this, this is a funny follow-up question. Everyone seems to want to hire, but no one seems to want a job. I don't understand how I got into this situation. Please comment. I'm sure I'm not the only person wondering. Well, first off, what are you hiring for? Because maybe we can help you out with the locals community. I know we've helped a couple people connect with getting jobs. We've had a couple people that have connected, uh, at least one set of people that got married in the locals community. Like we've had a lot of good stuff going on in there. So what are you trying to hire for? But yeah, that is a huge issue. I mean, I remember uh, when we were leaving LA that those last few months in LA where every store everywhere, the ones that weren't boarded up and destroyed and demolished, they had now hiring and they had $15 an hour and extra benefits and all that stuff. And yet they could not get anybody to work there. You'd go into a diner or whatever it might be and service was slow because they couldn't get servers. Uh, we, we don't see as much of that here in Florida. There does seem to be a really, really, you know, functioning economy. And I think there's a million reasons for that related to low taxes and just uh, a certain joie de vie that makes people want to actually do things here. Where in these other places, you know, once you, once you buy into that ideology that the government's supposed to give you stuff, it's hard to get up. You know, it's, it's hard to get up. Oh boy, the government's been giving me a lot of stuff. Let me get up and to go do something for my own and lose the stuff that the government's been giving me. It's, it's human nature to just want stuff. And that's what they're preying on with a certain set of people. So when did people lose that will to work? Well, I think, I think the system has really 
well, I guess if you want a year, I guess it's around 72 or 73 when the welfare state exploded. We started giving all of these benefits to a certain set of people. It, it actually harmed the family. This has nothing to do with skin color directly. It would have happened to anyone that had been given these things. And now a whole generation has grown up, thought, oh, I will just get stuff by the nature of my existence. And, and that is not good. It ain't good. Lori says, what are your primary goals for the new year, professional and personal? I would say on the professional note, uh, you know, we really set ourselves up well in the last year. We, we worked really hard. We had by far every month, we were crushing our numbers across platforms. Uh, obviously, there's a ton going on in the Rumble Locals ecosystem, which I've hinted at a little bit, and we'll have a lot more to, uh, to explain and, and share with you over, over the coming weeks and months. But I think we've set ourselves really up really nicely to be, I would say, a leading voice of, how about independent sanity? right? I make the decisions around here. What comes out of my mouth is what I believe for better or for worse. I'm going to, you know, I think, I think one thing that I'm very proud of is that if you look at my track record over the last couple of years, I got the big stuff right. Now I may have got political predictions wrong. Like I definitely thought the red wave was coming, but political predictions, that's just like, you just don't know what's going to happen. That You leave that up to fickle voters and people who are misinformed and all of that stuff. So, okay, you can get predictions wrong. But like when it came to COVID and mandates and all of those things, like I got that right. Uh, when it came to the Hunter Biden laptop and what was going on with the election and are we allowed to ask questions? I got that right. The, the big trending things, I think I got right. And I think that's really, that's why I always say if you, if you stayed roughly sane, then you're pretty good. So that's really what I just want to continue to do. I want to take the principles that I believe in, that I think I can communicate in a decent way and keep getting them out there and see what happens and hopefully get a few more other people, you guys, to continue to wake up, apply those things in your life, and then not need that machine, that never-ending sucking monster machine uh, to, to be part of what we do. It'll always be there, right? It'll always be there. As I said, like, we can expose it for a certain degree, and then it always pushes back. I, I don't know what that is, but, like, that's sort of how reality works, I guess. Um, but I just want to keep, keep building this, uh, keep working with people that I want to work with, keep expanding what we're doing here, keep growing, having more influence and, and seeing, does that play into national politics? Like what does that actually lead to? We'll see. And on a, on a personal note, I mean, it's, it's fairly obvious. I really just want to be the best father that I can be, which, you know, at the stage we're at right now, before crawling, before talking, like it's mostly just keeping these kids alive and keeping them, you know, I love going downstairs in the morning and, you know, just like getting everybody smiley and happy and ready for the day and, and feeding them and all that stuff. Um, but continuing as they start growing and, and as their brains, I just watched this uh, documentary last night about uh, the, the, uh, the child's brain and like how much is happening and how it's such a super sponge for information and emotion right now and all these things. Like I want to keep doing the best I can to make sure that what we're putting out in the world are, are two kids who are ready to, to take this world on and apply hopefully the things that, that I talk about here in their own lives and, and live a life that's way cooler than mine. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, Monique says, Viva Fry mentioned having a locals meetup in 2023. Any chance of a combined meetup since you guys are both in South Florida? Yes, absolutely. I'll talk to Viva about that. But, you know, we've got our great Florida crew here with Lisa Booth and John Cardillo and Carol Markowitz and Josh Hammer, the whole crew. Maybe I'll get everybody together. We'll do a big locals meetup, uh, which we, we did. We've only done one in Miami so far. And it was before I even moved to Miami. 
So we got to do it. It's, it was a very busy year and it, uh, my, my windows of like, oh, let's go do something. They're just getting smaller and smaller, but I will absolutely keep that in mind. We'll get, we'll get Viva's community involved too. And I'm just thrilled that Viva, you guys know Viva, who's a great uh, lawyer and now, now rumbler and YouTuber communicating a lot of the ideas that I'm talking about and a, and a Canada refugee. We're very happy to have him uh, down here in Florida. I should tell you before we wrap, guys, that this episode has been pre-taped. I pre-taped this yesterday on the second because right now, as I am airing this, I am actually at Governor DeSantis's inauguration in Tallahassee. It's happening right at this very moment for me tomorrow, for you right now. Uh, and there was a, there's a big ball uh, this evening, so hopefully I'll be able to get some video and see who else is there, and maybe we can play some of that stuff over the next couple days. Uh, anyway, yes, I'm feeling good about uh, the start of the year. I hope you are as well. Uh, as always, subscribe at rumble.com slash Report. and if you want to play along and submit questions and see pictures of the babies and just get a little more intimate uh, with me and what we do here as a team and just everything we're kind of building, please do join us at rubenreport.locals.com, and we leave you with Kamala Harris. Adios. on the bus. Go round and round. <laughs>Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.